Hello folks, welcome to Lords of Order, the Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoilers podcast, so keep that in mind later on. If you want to email the show, you can do so at thedrfatepodcast at gmail.com. Doctor is abbreviated DR. Bigtimenoise.com slash Fate is the website, and Lords of Order is on Facebook and Google+. So the book for discussion today is Earth 2, number 10, dated May 2013. The story is entitled The Tower of Fate, Part 1. This was written by James Robinson, penciled by Nicholas Scott, inked by Trevor Scott, colored by Alex Sinclair, and lettered by Desi Sienti, if I pronounced that correctly. If not, I apologize. On the cover, we have Khalid, the Flash, and Hawk Girl, all seemingly blinded by a bright light shining down on them as they are looking up at us. We are above with the camera. The light is above us. The light apparently, uh, perhaps, is in the shape of a an ankh, it looks like. Perhaps, alluding to the Dr. Fate connection, I would assume. The story itself opens two years ago in Egypt, and we see Khalid and Kendra Munoz Saunders running through what appears to be some sort of temple. She shooting back behind them, gunshots pelting the pillars that they're passing as they're running. Then we have a panel that is 59 minutes later, where Kendra seems to be um, disoriented slightly, trying to tell Khalid that something has happened to her. She's been transformed. We see that she has sprouted wings. He himself is seemingly distracted in a, another room that she is peering into as he is reaching for the helmet of fate. And he tells her, but I've kind of got my own thing going on at the moment. Then we cut to now, which is where we left last issue. The realm of Nabu. We see this individual who we now know as Wotan standing, talking to the Flash, his mother, and Khalid. He's telling them about magic, basically defining magic. Says again uh, who he is and what he's after. Uh, the first several panels actually just uh, they're they're not overly impressive in in the story writing. The panel layout is pretty interesting. I like the second second page or third third and fourth page two page spread there. I like the way that it's laid out. Basically, Wotan is telling them that uh, he is going to hold Jay Garrick's mother captive until they do what he wants them to. Because his mother is threatened, Jay attacks Wotan, only to rather spectacularly lose and be cast aside via Wotan's magic. Wotan is he's trying to be nice, trying to tell them that this is his nice side, and he kind of flexes some magical muscles and appears as some kind of ugly dragon to them, saying that he does have a dark side also, uh, finally convincing them to do what he says, pretty much. As he goes on to explain what he's trying to do, he enlists Khalid 
to explain part of the story as he is ultimately responsible in part for what has to be accomplished in order to achieve Wotan's goals. Khalid says that uh, upon trying on the helmet of fate that Nabu tried to take him over but that he didn't want that so he stopped using the helmet even to the extent that with what small sliver of the the powers of Nabu stayed within him after he took the helmet off he banished all the magical components that Nabu had the the magic of Nabu to some place that it could not be accessed again and in the telling Khalid indicates that this place is gone by many names the place of broken souls tower of babel the mighty stone the mad ark the great beast and this tower has been in the background of many panels here in the book as this is where Wotan has taken Jay and his mother and Khalid to the same place that the tower is. So after relating his part of the story, Khalid's part of the story, uh, Wotan just finally flexes his muscle and grabs Jay and Khalid and forces them into the Tower of Fate to retrieve this magic per se. I don't know that it's a specific item or anything like that. One would assume that it must be the helmet, uh, but those familiar with fate, fate's previous incarnations know that there may be other elements that are aspects of this power as well. We see the inside of the Tower of Fate. It's very Escher-esque in the twistings and turnings of staircases and pathways and hallways and whatnot interspersed throughout the two-page spread, one, two, three, four, five, six, are six spheres, each containing elements of Egyptian um, markings. look like big Egyptian hieroglyphs. A couple have onks in them. Uh, one has a stylized eye that I recognize as being associated with fate. The others, I'm not so sure what they are. Perhaps we'll find out. Either way, Jay and Khalid start traversing through the tower trying to find the the helmet, as it were. Uh, we cut to Xiangshu province in China where Sam has been buried after the train wreck that killed him. Alan Scott is here, but unfortunately he has shown up after the funeral ceremony, the burial ceremony. So he is apologizing to Sam's father, who also happens to be here at this time. Next panel shows Green Lantern uh, fighting it up with what you would have to assume well, no, I take that back. They Well, maybe they are Yakuza. Yakuza is Japanese, but they're in China. There's a, it's a bunch of samurai sword-wielding thugs. I'm not... Oh, the... Um, what are the Chinese monsters? The Tong. Perhaps that's who he's going through. The Tong here in China. But Sam's father and... Um, Alan keep 
discussing the situation between Alan and his former lover Sam. Uh, the father did not agree. They basically Alan and the father are kind of making nice, and um, one of the reasons that they are together is because Alan, uh, Sam's father asked to meet Alan because he has searched to try to find out what happened to the train that Alan and Sam were on and has found that the attack was directed at Sam rather than at Alan Scott, which is what Alan has assumed this whole time. So not only that, but he tells Alan that there are rumors that it is connected to someone locally there in China. So these other panels that we keep seeing of Alan Scott in his green lantern uh, affectation cutting through mobsters is indeed Chinese mobsters. Again, I will assume that they're the Tong. And he's trying to find out who it was that ordered the hit on Sam, everyone claiming that they don't know. Again, we cut this time to Louisiana, the La Foche bio, where we see Hawk Girl has dispatched a small cadre of parademons. Um, Alan Scott finds her and is talking to her. It seems that this cadre is something that Hawk Girl has been tracking down for a little while and has finally dispatched them. He tells Hawk Girl that he needs her help, and I see here on Hawk Girl's helmets one of the magical symbols in the Tower of Fate is the eye symbol that I mentioned I had associated with Fate. I was wrong. It is associated with Hawk Girl because it, the symbol's right here on her helmet. All right, we cut back to the Tower of Fate where Jay is leading Khalid through different twists and turns in the towers. Again, it's a very Escher-esque type of, of structure here we see. Still, we see these yellow spheres surrounded by bluish lightning with Egyptian symbols in them. Here is the eye that Hawk Girl has. Here's another Ankh. And they're wandering in it. And as it's, it's a, another two-page spread, and we see Khalid and flash at different points in different orientations upside down sideways right side up slanted as they're walking all these pathways which always to them are right side up but in our frame of reference they twist and turn because of the escher-esque nature of the tower they finally get somewhere and we see khalid says oj oh, jay responds yeah i see it khalid finishes it's what i spoke of earlier the great beast and we see this hoofed red horned uh, fire-eyed big pointy teeth had great big pointy teeth yeah no money python reference thank you and uh, it's standing here upside down again because everything is twisted turning so this is the boss uh, apparently they have reached the boss level of the tower and this big demon-looking dude, the Great Beast, is the boss. And that's where we finish up this issue. 
definitely starting to uh, enjoy this issue a little bit. What's really keeping me in it? The writing is decent. I thought it was pretty slow and stale, the first half of the story. The second half picked up a little bit. I'm definitely enjoying the pencils from Nicholas Scott, uh, the inking of Trevor Scott and the colors of Alex Sinclair. The artwork is really enjoyable. Uh, Mr. Robinson's writing is kind of hit and miss this issue. Uh, the previous issue was a little on the blah side too, in my opinion. But there you go, it's only one man's opinion. So, uh, next up, next episode, episode 5 of Lords of Order, we have Secret Origins, Volume 3, Issue 24. Over the next several old discussion podcasts, because I'm covering Dr. Fate chronologically, there will be several origin issues coming up, just to kind of give you a warning. So they'll be rehashing and adding and changing different aspects of his origin. What we read in issue 55 was his first appearance, but it wasn't an origin. So now we have several books that we will get to uh, consecutively. Secret Origins, Volume 3, Issue 24. More Fun Comics, Issue 67. All-Star Squadron 47. DC Special Series, Volume 2, Issue 10. All of those are origin stories for Dr. Fate. That will give us a chance to compare and contrast the different origins, see what gets added on each time be an interesting little mini exercise over the next four or five older issues now again they will be broken by current issues as i go back and forth in the show between time uh, this was a current next is an old back and forth so we'll we'll see how these origin issues mesh or don't mesh as we go through them and i will talk to you guys next time about Dr. Fate's origin as it appeared in Secret Origins, Volume 3, Issue 24. Catch you later. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license.